What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to Premium Chapter 145 of the QAnon Anonymous Podcast, The Listener Stories, Volume 6 episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Field, and Travis View. Here we are again, coming up on almost a year since the last Q drop reared its ugly head on HN. Donald Trump is no longer president, and vaccines that can dramatically reduce the impacts of COVID-19 have been released to the public. Nevertheless, Your stories have proven that we, as human beings, remain pilled to the gills. Whether it's microchips embedded in the vaccines, flat earth, or demonic cats, no friend or family member is safe from being assaulted with a hail of bizarre claims, oftentimes at the cost of a loved one. For some, their friends and family had spiraled down the rabbit hole even before QAnon provided a catch-all for any and all conspiracy theories. The following stories, as well as the ones I wasn't able to include in this episode, are a small glimpse into the world of those personally affected by conspiratorial belief systems. Thanks for taking the time to share your experiences with us all. Gone before Q arrived. I loved my cousin. I visited his house when I was young, where he showed me the Silent Hill games and even gave me his spare PS2 as I left. He became the greatest, friendliest dude in the family. I looked at him like a much older brother any time he came around. A few years later, he deployed to Iraq after failing to find a job. Time passed and he came home. I was older. He was older. We had both changed. Me growing into a high schooler. Him riddled with PTSD and severe paranoia. He had trouble speaking and making continuous eye contact, loosely akin to the videos of shell shock from World War I. More time passed and I entered my 20s. His brain had seemingly repaired itself physically. He could talk to us, he could hold heavy conversations, but had immense trouble controlling his anger. Now, I'm no Hillary Clinton fan, and neither are my parents, but one Thanksgiving before the 2016 election, he started going off about Pizzagate and the Clinton crime family. He was in a trance of intensity as he tried to explain it all at a rapid pace to grandparents, younger kids, and me at the table. My dad, a quiet academic man, had to threaten him with fists to get him to leave our house in the middle of Thanksgiving dinner. We're normally a conflict-averse family, and that was an incredibly startling experience. The kind, cool cousin I knew and looked up to as a youngling was gone. He moved to Florida a couple years ago, probably the worst place for him to be, and last I heard, he had COVID, which he was treating with the usual cocktail of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. A reasonable, kind, and serene person, pushed into military service to pay his bills, comes back a shell. That's tragic, but still typical for veterans. The outlying factor being that shell was immediately filled with lunacy and rage. In the absence of his former self, he took the red pill. PTSD-induced paranoia, a destroyed sense of trust in the country he grew up in and served, rendered him empty. The fastest fix wasn't even opioids, but a different kind of pill. The one you can't bring someone back from once they take it. From Will. That's devastating. Thank you for writing in and telling us about that, Will. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Will. I mean, these these stories are always, I, I really, really uh, hate, hate most of all, partly because when they involve veterans, because they, because in this case, we have someone we can point to and to, I think, blame, put, place the blame on more uh, more substantially. And that's like, you know, the U.S. federal government, you know, the VA. If you take a human being and you put them in a horrible, stressful situation and they come back a shell, you're responsible for 
taking care of that person. You're responsible for making sure that they don't go down mm-hmm. a dark path. And it seems over and over and over and over again, the government just fails people to do this. I mean, you know, uh, Ashley Babbitt was a veteran of two wars. We just see this over and over and over again. It's tragic. Mm-hmm. I'll settle for them, like, just not sending them at all. Stop sending these people to fucking wars that are useless. Modern Americans describing PTSD are inevitably describing wars that are were useless and could have been completely avoided. And I mean, what's what's crazy about this is that this this is 2016. This is a year before Q makes their first drop, and and you know what really struck me is this the image of 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 the father. You know, threatening a family member with fists to leave, you know, the Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, that just that hit me particularly hard. I remember like my uncle fist fighting my grandfather on the <laughs> lawn and one thing. <laughs> I think family. Is, you know, I just thing. I come from such a, a, a anti-violent family that the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the idea of, of, of a kind of physical confrontation yeah. uh, just seems so out there to me. <laughs> they do a different kind of pummeling. For my next story. My boss accused me of supporting sex trafficking. After being let go from my coaching job due to COVID, I was a little lost on what to do next. I had recently reconnected with an old friend who lived in California, and he had mentioned he started his own company selling solar panels. He said they were making good money and you could work whenever you want, which sounded like a pretty sweet deal to me. So when I was let go, I reached out to him and asked if I could come work for him. I've always wanted to move out of the South, and I finally had the chance. So... After 30-plus hours of driving across the country, I arrived in Huntington Beach, California, where I would be staying with my friend and now boss, along with his girlfriend, while I found an apartment. The first few days were fine. There hadn't been any signs of weird beliefs or strange comments until January 6th. After hearing about what was going on at the Capitol, we turned on the news. As I'm watching in shock, I look over, and he's giddy like a kid on Christmas morning. He then starts to tell me all about Q and everything that was supposedly going on. I laughed at him because I thought he was joking. He wasn't. He and his girlfriend were both extremely pilled. Parentheses, his girlfriend sucks, by the way, just a really shitty person. (laughs) I was also accused of supporting sex trafficking because I didn't take their word and believe that Joe Biden was a reptilian satanic pedophile. He also believed in quantum and was sure that all of the cabal had already been arrested. And now we're just watching it play out like a movie. I could go on for days. Just the most ridiculous bullshit I've ever heard. This is where his delusional beliefs began to affect our work. He was an avid believer in Nasara and Jasara, so he didn't take the time to train me at this new job or really do any work on his own, all because any day now the great financial reset is going to happen and everyone's going to be rich. He also flipped his shit on me when I told him I got vaccinated and is 100% sure I'll be dead within three years. Anyway, it was a miserable seven months. I don't work for him anymore. The one positive from working for an insane QAnon believer... It led me to this podcast, and that's from Ben. Ben, that is out of the frying pan into the fire, but uh, thank you for writing <laughs> yeah, in. And also, I'd like to just give a bit of respect to this boss because he acts like every other fucking boss. Doesn't do any work. You know, he's waiting around, <laughs> waiting to get rich. But this guy does it because of a deeper uh, philosophy, Nisara and, and Jasara, which is really funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah, see, the horror to me of this, this particular story and why I selected it 
is is th- what must have been a terrifying realization mm-hmm. as you you have moved your life ac- literally across the country and and you're staying with these people you're you're living you're living with them and look i mean as somebody who's been living in los angeles for 20 plus years uh, finding an apartment out here is uh, impossible i mean it's very very difficult to find something that's good in a good area that's that's remotely affordable so being trapped at your new boss's place and and your friend by the way and 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 coming to this like realization that that they're both just pilled to the gills is like mm-hmm. terrifying to me and then also realizing that this job that you know maybe this is a new opportunity sounded like a good thing that the business model of the job is just to wait for Nasara to make everybody at the company rich i mean just horrifying shit yeah that this is bad and i once worked for a woman from orange County, uh, who believed we should all be able to own like AR-15s? Oh, God, as soon when I was reading this, as soon as uh, when he was like, I packed up my life and moved to Huntington Beach, California. I was like, Oh no, oh, I know yeah. where this is going. Yeah, now, here's the thing. Uh, early in my career, I like I worked for like startups that were like, Oh, listen, you stick with us. We're all gonna get rich because this company's gonna blow up. Yeah. So I guess this is. So this is, a, I guess, one step removed from that. Yeah, it's a boiled down <laughs> version. Yeah. I mean, it didn't happen, so you know, maybe, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not smarter than the Sara people. Uh, ben, we're glad that you no longer work for that guy. Yeah. Good, good luck getting out, and sorry for the seven months. I mean, that's a long time to be sort of stuck under that thumb. Just one more thing, Ben. Don't blame the solar panels. Okay, they're innocent. <laughs> Demon cat. This is more of a paranormal pilling, but it's been something that has impacted mine and my sister's lives to this day. My mother raised us from a difficult perspective. She felt that it was important for us to learn the Bible and to become saved. But she was also never in church herself. She had an abusive husband and faced physical harm daily, so this often kept her focused on shielding us from the abuser. This meant that we were sent with family several times a week to small groups, Bible studies, to big services. One thing I picked up on quickly was that my specific church family had a fascination with demons and demonic activity. I remember being terrified of the concept around the age of seven. When I say terrified, I mean that every single moment I spent living and growing and doing things as a young person, I was constantly petrified of the thought of demons coming for me, hurting me, speaking to me, and hurting those whom I loved. This fear was cemented by my mother when she told me a story once about her earliest encounter with a demon. She was playing Barbies in her room at my great-grandparents' home. She was five, so this was in the early 70s. I remember this home, and specifically the bedroom the supposed encounter happened in, so I know that how she recalled this happening makes this pretty eerie. The room in question had one window above the bed on the back wall parallel to the door. This window was about seven feet off the ground outside because the walkway on that side of the house was sunken down a few feet below the foundation of the home. She claimed she heard a heavy scratching at the window and looked up to see a face peering in at her. The face was almost cat-like, with long, sharp teeth, human hands with gruesome nails and dark eyes. My mom said that she threw her Barbies down and told the face to go away, only after staring back for a few moments. Like the ornery person she is, she picked her dolls up and turned her back to the window. A few minutes later, she heard the scratching again, got fast and harder, and it would not go away until she acknowledged it. Finally, she got so sick of it that she ran out of the room and found my great-grandfather. She never said that anything else happened in that home. 
When I was older and I asked my own grandmother about this incident, she mentioned that it happened when she herself was partaking in some regular activities with a group of friends who were self-acclaimed occultists. During that time, she would often lose sleep because she'd stay up, tormented by what she was convinced were demons. She said that once her own child, my mother, came to her and explained what happened, that she stopped interacting with these friends completely. Obviously, all the overly Christian influences in my life were demon-pilled. Unfortunately, they passed this down to us as children. And I just wanted to take a second to reflect on how this has affected me and my siblings. Firstly, it was such an issue for us that we all sought therapy for it eventually. Each of us have problems with windows and are very obsessive over covering windows and doors to the outside. We sleep with lights on. We have habitual whisper prayers that we recite, although we are not religious anymore. My parents constantly threatened us with demons as kids, and this kept us on our toes behavior-wise. I guess that will do the trick when you're told from childhood that any one thing you fuck up can cause demons to come for your soul. We also obsessed over any scars or bruising on our bodies from a very young age, worried that anything we didn't remember causing ourselves could have been the result of an attack while we were sleeping. We all look back now and realize this was such a sad way to be brought up. It is ironic that the one person trying to save us from a hard home life was pushing us into a paranoid belief system which was causing so much psychological harm. Now, I couldn't care less about what a demon is or isn't, but what hurts the most about it all is that it has affected our adult lives too. When I see the overly religious or the Anons drone on about demons and the occult, a part of me gets it because it really is sad. It's scary to be out of control. And when you're convinced that something so beyond you and so evil is just watching and waiting for you, it can drive you insane. I hope that people can really drop the evil mongering someday and focus on what is truly ugly in the world. That's from Hotus. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's a really, really tough one. It's tough. My, my family just had ghosts. My mom claims she saw a ghost this one time. My grandma, my grandmother was superstitious like that, but it wasn't. Um, it was never evil tinted, you know. It was never yeah. if you do this that the, no. the demons are going to come for you. And and the fact that it was also accompanied with a personal story that was that is terrifying. I mean, the image of a human slash cat thing with human hand. I mean, that's for any kid. I think that's that's terrifying. Cats are kind of creepy, anyways, you know, to some extent. What I don't understand is if the demons are like our enemies, like why would we threaten our loved ones with them? Be like, hey, you know, this these there's demons like it's ally. Let's ally together against the demons. Let's not be like, oh well, if you don't pick up your toys, the demons coming. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good point. And and it just I I, I think that the the writer makes just an interesting observation about how oftentimes the things that our parents think they're protecting us from, you know, sometimes causes new d- damage in its in its own way. Yeah, they think um, they're protecting you from demons, but they're summoning demons into your life, like, yeah, in, a, in yeah. a psychic way. Quite and, literally. And then you have to um, deal with the fucking fallout. Anyway, thanks for sending that in, and, uh, and fuck those demons. Okay. <laughs> one just takes, one just sucks me into the chair. Okay, you can cut that out. Or not, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know if I'll like it or not. You know, I mean, if you thought it was really genius, actually, really. If funny. you thought it was hilarious and awesome, keep it. Uh, if you thought it was uh, offensive or uh, insensitive, cut it. No, no, no. It's a strong stance. For my next story, I went to elementary school with Q. I love a good conspiracy theory, and I had heard of QAnon, but didn't pay much attention to it. I was talking to my mom, and she asked me what I knew about QAnon. 
I told her, not much. And what she told me next blew my mind. She said, Coleman Rogers is Q. Coleman Rogers is a kid I grew up with. He's five years younger than me, but went to the same elementary school and swim club. He was really good friends with my little brother. Our mothers were friends. His grandfather was TV scientist Mr. Wizard. I don't want to go into very personal things my mom told me about him and his family, but growing up, they were just a normal family with a cool grandpa who came and did science shit at my school. So to hear that they have gone off such a deep end is sad. To that point, when I hear people ruining their lives because of Q, it is upsetting to me because I know that a privileged kid from Northern Virginia helped start this whole bullshit. My brother and my mom are convinced he is Q. As a QAA fan, I know he probably isn't, but maybe at one point he was. I don't even know. Stephanie. So, yeah, I mean, Rogers was, uh, Coleman Rogers, a.k.a. Pamphlenon, is the founder of the live stream Patriot Soapbox. And Patriot Soapbox was one of the presences on YouTube that really helped spread uh, the QAnon message. Uh, Rogers himself was, I believe, a former 4chan mod. And um, he, he, I think in uh, 2000, late 2017, yeah, they, uh, they used... He found the Patriot Soapbox essentially to help spread the word of Q. And uh, there's also, there's a couple of instances, a little bit of evidence that that possibly Rogers had control of the Q drops or he could find the Q drops or his connection or he was somehow in communication with whoever was posting as Q because he um, he was able to basically find Q drops that didn't use the, the trip code. And like the, and there's a video of him doing this. And the only way that you could really do that was um, if, you basically knew what the Q drops were like beforehand. So, I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's, it's, uh, it's totally accurate to say he is Q. I think there's this, yeah, there's this tendency, there's a desire to peg Q as a single person when rather it's like, I think it's a complex phenomenon. It's a, it's a group of people, but I mean, he was certainly instrumental in uh, the development of, of QAnon and he probably was at the very least in communication with whoever was posting with Q. Travis, that is such a perfectly sensible, metered response. That's, listener, that is what you should take away with and do not listen uh, for the next 30 seconds. But how fucking crazy would it be if this whole thing gets blown wide open because oh of like some like family drama where, you know, Coleman's like, oh, they took, I was Q and they took it away from me. And his mom is like, oh, well, you know, he was the original Q and she's talking <laughs> in her friend group and stuff. You know, like, well, well, my, but you know, my boy was the original, of course. And, and well, they, they took, they done those Watkins boys. They took it away from him. You know, it's just, it is like, the world that to me, that, that, that is the world that I live in where the thing that is like this gigantic <laughs> mystery and all this stuff like just yeah. just happens to flop out during some like family bullshit you know or just like i i, and I don't know I, I thought this was so fascinating and i love this story uh, no matter what you do travis he is going to continue living in that world so <laughs> okay yeah well it's, it'd be funny if to say like you know it was like yo my son was the original Q, as if like yo, you know, my son was the fifth Beatle, but but uh, yeah, you got you got kicked out, you know. Yes, yeah, that's just exactly this is exactly the sentiment that I'm imagining it sort of happening in my head. That it's like, oh, Coleman, why are you so upset? Oh, mom, they took my my took my LARP away from me, and and just oh, it's so. I mean, God, if that if that turned out to be to be true, that's just so so perfectly uh 2016 to 2020 so it's like a remake of the king of kong with ron watkins as billy (laughs) yes yes oh man so hey thanks for sending that in stephanie appreciate it 
thinking face emoji. As far as I can remember, my mom always said she felt, quote, in touch with some spiritual realm. She would claim random events as miracles and tell off evil spirits in the basement when my little sister heard things in the darkness. When COVID hit, she was one of the toilet paper hoarders and started to text my sister and I frequently, saying we should be ready to travel home at a moment's notice. She took my elderly grandma's impulse purchase iPad and started trying to find her own answers. She became a distributor of a pyramid scheme company that sells EMF devices that, quote, promote good blood flow and started telling friends and family that this device would cure COVID. As far as I can tell, this device was created slash marketed by a German man who was previously arrested in Germany for a pyramid scheme that sold washing machine products. Soon, the Facebook posts about the Great Awakening appeared. The photoshopped images of a super-yoked and manly Trump on a white horse, the references to Pizzagate, and an infinite amount of, then she inserts three thinking face emojis, emoji began to fill her entire feed. I got curious and ended up finding your podcast, and the rest is history, I guess. She never posted anything explicitly Q-related until a few months ago. A high-contrast picture of a lion with WWG1WGA plastered below confirmed to me that she is totally down the meme hole. She denies knowing what Q is if asked, but repeats all popular mantras of the movement if you're with her in person. She can't help it. She says her spiritual side is more awake than ever right now and that she can feel something is coming. There is no matter if that feeling is wrong about the date one, two, or 17 times. I miss my mom. Uh, and then a little note, she, she writes, Thank you, you guys have helped me more than you will ever know. Tell Travis he's my favorite. Sorry, Jake, please don't let that impact this. Best, Celine. Celine, you have excellent taste. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what was really, I mean, just beautiful, and like I, it was very emotional for me g typing this up is, is uh, many people in, in their stories, you know, were, uh, you know, said thanks for... To, mm -hmm. to what we're doing and how much it had helped them. This I included it in this particular case because I wanted Travis to know that he had a, a, a that he was a favorite. I think it's important for people to know when they're the favorite. Um, the favorite boy, yeah. But no, it was very very touching and just made me feel like you know yeah. that the, there's a, a a deeper sense of meaning to my own life. You know, reading reading all this stuff and and hearing you know that that it was helpful in in some way. So much appreciated. <laughs> Have we considered getting uh, Travis a crown of tweets that he's made, like his harshest <laughs> ones? Those are his bullets. A golden, a golden crown, but they're just printed out <laughs> tweets on solid sheets of gold. Each, uh, specifically with my, the number of retweets engraved on each tweet just around my head. <laughs> Behold my clout and despair. Yeah, the only halo we can, we can reach here on Earth. Where Q left off. Like many others, my life was uprooted by QAnon and that one of my parents fell hardcore into the QAnon cult. My relationship with my QAnon parent has completely changed. I can't even pinpoint when the crazy took over to get to where it is now. Only that here is where we are now, and I don't know how to get them back. It would be too long to post how everything started, so I'll just skip to where we are now. My QAnon parent believes in everything from lizard people, Hillary eating babies on video, everyone Democrat being a pedophile, children being harvested for adrenochrome, Jewish space lasers, COVID being a host, vaccines used to kill us in two years, to hospitals trying to kill us, you name it. I've tried to disprove as much as I can, and I've shown them actual proof of how many of the things they believe are false. And for a few moments, there is a bit of clarity where they actually start believing me. 
But then a few days later, they spiral down the rabbit hole again. I only see my QAnon parent once a week or every other week. But they spend 24-7 on their QAnon platforms like Telegram, Gab, Getter. How can I compete with that? COVID and the pandemic is when things got worse. Suddenly, it was like everything was magnified by a thousand. This was the tipping point for me. My QAnon parent was convinced this was a hoax to rig the election. They became obsessed with it. We couldn't hold a conversation without them turning everything into some conspiracy topic. They became hate-filled, refused to follow any precautions like wearing masks or getting the vaccine, and were rude to any poor employee trying to enforce mask rules. They found ways to start confrontations, gave them a thrill, like they were being martyrs for their cause. Then my sibling got COVID and was severely sick to the point of hospitalization. I thought this would make my QAnon parent finally believe that this wasn't a hoax, but it made no difference. They just chalked it up to being a bad flu. I took care of my sibling while they battled COVID for a month. At this point, I had only had my first COVID vaccine and had to postpone my second shot until I tested negative after caring for my brother. When I took the test, I was negative. I was so happy that I could proceed with my second shot. My QAnon parent told me, quote, I wish you would have tested positive instead so you wouldn't get the shot. This one hurt bad. With Trump losing the 2020 election and Q disappearing off the face of the earth, I thought this was my chance to get my QAnon parent back and that people, along with my QAnon parent, would start leaving the movement in droves. But things seem to just keep getting worse. Other people have stepped in where Q left off and keep feeding the flames. Grifters like Ron Watkins, Lynn Wood, Sidney Powell, Mike Lindell, these have all become heroes to my QAnon parent. I am nothing. We still can't hold a single conversation without them bringing up something Trump or Q-related two minutes into the conversation. If I try to shut it down, they become hostile. I become somewhat of an enemy to them because I don't believe what they do. I'm a sheep to them. We used to have fun together, do fun things, go on trips, visit cool eateries, and do sightseeing trips around the city. And I used to share my accomplishments with them. I no longer do these things. I can't take them anywhere because they cause scenes. And if they don't, they want to spend the whole time talking about whatever they last read on Telegram or Gab. They are in a constant state of anger and hostility. I hope one day they leave this all behind and get back to how they were before Trump, before Q. I want to have my QAnon parent back before it's too late. They are already older, and we don't have many years left together. And that's from Christina. Thanks for writing in, Christina. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Christina. Yeah, this one, I thought this was really important because it really does highlight it. Q is gone. Trump is gone. And yet, like, things are getting worse. It's just, like, really, I don't know, really sobering. We don't have FEMA in Canada. I grew up in a family of charismatic Christians in Alberta, the Canadian Petro Province, which is so right-wing that we are proud to call the founder of Rebel News our own son. In other words, I live in a world primed to be red-pilled. You have been listening to a sample of a premium episode of QAnon Anonymous. We don't run any advertising on the show, and we'd like to keep it that way. For five bucks a month, you'll get access to this episode, a new one each week, and our entire library of premium episodes. So head on over to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe. Thank you. Thanks. I love you. Jake loves you. <laughs> <laughs>